0: I, I I decided. You know what? I announced the team. I'm not. I'm terrible. I'm not qualified. I can't do it. I'm in a weakened state. Here's this person who's going to take it over. And in a week, let him go. But joke, joke. I'm qualified. I'm the leader. <laughs> Come and follow me. It was. Uh, it was very hard. And we did it. We did it.
1: From Positive Momentum, this is Meet to the CEO, a show that takes you behind the scenes of the working lives of people who've reached what some might call the pinnacle of the career ladder. I'm Matt Crabtree, the founder of Positive Momentum, and on today's show, we meet Nancy Duarte, CEO of Duarte Inc., the largest communication firm in Silicon Valley, as well as one of the top women-owned businesses in the area. Since 1988, the Duarte team have been bringing to life some of the world's greatest presentations for leaders and for brands. Their client list really reads like a kind of who's who of top brands and includes world-famous enterprises, notable experts, respected causes, and even some global consulting firms. Now, Nancy has written no less than six best-selling books. She's been featured in just about every business journal imaginable, including the venerable Fortune, Forbes, HBR and the Wall Street Journal, to name but a very few. And she's one of very few TED Talk speakers to break the multi-million view barrier, with her amazing The Secret Structure of Great Talks talk that so far has been viewed more than three million times. Now all of Duarte's work is centred on what they describe as the Duarte method and that places empathy at the heart of strategy, story, visuals and delivery. A set of principles that seem even more relevant in today's incredibly noisy world than they did back when the Duarte team first devised them. Now this meet the CEO story is no normal story, it's about someone who's been running their business for several decades about someone who had a pretty tough start in life, a vision and determination to achieve, and above all else, is you're going to really hear a willingness to learn and adapt every single day. I started out in time-honoured meet-the-CEO fashion by asking Nancy why she became a CEO.
0: So I, it wasn't by uh, design. <laughs> Some people like want to be the leader and they start out knowing they want to lead an entity. And for me, it was more out of more out of necessity. Uh, So I started leading the um, organization at about the same time it was formed. And I would say the CEO title, like I I actually my first title, I even though I owned it, I called myself a VP (laughs) because I just didn't feel like, yeah, I didn't feel like I was quite there. And then for decades, I used the term principal, which is what you use, a lot of people use in consultancies. Um, And then I only really started to feel like I was wearing the shoes of an executive for about the last, um, 10 years is when I actually, I, even my LinkedIn profile still doesn't say CEO. It's mostly to stop the solicitors from calling me. Uh, but yeah, I've, I would say I've really been sitting in the seat of CEO for like a decade and feel like I'm accomplishing something.
1: So what was the trigger that, that made you comfortable to pick up the role? That's really interesting. That, that journey, what was the trigger?
0: I think you I think I'm the thing about entrepreneurs is we're really pretty pretty good operational leaders, pretty good creative people, pretty good. We're pretty good at a lot of things. And then choosing to have to delegate and let go of key things that might even be your passion, might even be what you love. And that journey started actually quite a while ago. I, I remember I was so overwhelmed. I hired one of my best friends in the world to as my general manager for a season because I needed some of these roles hired off of me. I couldn't let go of some of them. And each time I was like, come and observe me and write some job descriptions and start hiring some of this stuff off of me because I was so buried. And each time he made a job description, I would mourn the loss of that I would take it home and cry because I, and I had to make myself pretend that this role was dead to me because I knew whoever I hired to do that role would not be successful because I love that role so much, right? We just love these roles and we love doing a lot of different things. So I had to break away from this entrepreneurial, like, oh, let me jump in and do the skunk works thing. Cause that sounds more fun than, than leading or, or whatever. So I, I still do have little skunk work things they let me do because it keeps me out of the business of the other sex if I have some other little distracting thing happening in my life so um but yeah I I think it was letting go of some of these functions that I was madly in love with
1: yeah it's um it's a a very common trait isn't it In, in other entrepreneurs that you all have met it's a really common trait I recognize it myself in my own business is that you really do have to find specialists trust them to do it and step away even though oh every fiber of your being wants to kind of get your hands on the thing well, and, and even though it.
0: they won't do it the way you think it should be yeah. done doesn't yeah. mean they're doing it wrong and that that's took a while
1: Absolutely, i didn't get that
0: for quite some time
1: <laughs> well hey listen we're going to talk about the team and the importance of that in a minute but before we get to that um one of the things we'd love to do on meet the ceo is kind of discover a little bit see through the curtain a little bit and understand how you spend your day is there a part of your day nancy that's sacrosanct that you kind of protect and preserve at all costs.
0: Yeah. Well, today, now, uh, it's my mornings. But while I had small children at home, it was the late, late evening. So if you'd asked me when my kids were small, when do I do my best thinking, I would have said, oh, from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. every night, because that was the only time I had quiet. There was no email, no children and all that. So while I was growing the business, while my kids were at home, I only had one REM cycle of sleep, one four-hour cycle of sleep. I do not recommend that, but that's what I did because the business was just like rip roaring, growing and not what I would recommend to anyone to do. But you know what? It was a sacrifice I chose to make because I felt like I was sitting in the catbird seat that I had all this opportunity. And if we didn't do something about it, you know, I I just needed to leverage it. Well, once once I was an empty nester, I realized that my early mornings are sacred, like I, I go on a walk, I, I even opposite of my computer, I have a little contemplative area where I read my sacred texts. I light it, it feels almost like candlelight. So even in the winter when it's morning and it's still dark, it's got this warmth to it. And even, and that's when I write the best. So my calendar is blocked until 10 a.m. every day, 10 a.m. every day. And as often as we can, we, we make sure that I get that time. Um, and I'm an early bird, so I'm up at five, five thirty, six. So I, I can get up, I can walk, I can have my kind of my sacred time, and then I get into my day. So I try not to pick up my phone. I really try to start my day with, um, with other modalities before I jump into the chaos. It's
1: so so common that that morning piece. Although, uh, actually, I think you're the first to talk about you know that big late night time when family pressures yeah. um, uh, happen when you've got For women. Your children. It probably
0: is more, yeah.
1: I think that's probably true, um, but most of the people that we've interviewed for this podcast, they've often talked about mornings. What we haven't had um, on the podcast yet um, is a best-selling author. You're our first best-selling author, so to anyone else out there who has dreams of doing the brilliant work that you've put out into the world, you recommend early mornings for book writing, right?
0: Yep. Yeah, and article like it's it is a second it is a second job. Like there's the CEO, and then there's thought leader. Um, and I do think every CEO needs to be a thought leader. If you're not the one pushing your industry in, in the leader of the direction of that, n- then where are you, right? And I think thought leadership is one of the big, it's the, it's the tip of the, the spear that opens doors. And so it's hard to do both. It's hard to yeah. lead an org and be a thought leader for sure.
1: Yeah. And that, that I mean, for you, that's often outward facing, but also inward facing, right? The, leading the thought of your teams and being able to put communication out to your teams. I know team communication is a really big deal to you guys at Duarte, but it, it's a big deal for every CEO, right? And thinking about how you craft that language, whether you're putting a script together for a town hall you're going to run, or you're going to be putting an, yeah. an email out as the as a storyteller expert, uh, that that's the time when you've got no distractions, right, to put those thoughts together.
0: Right, right.
1: Love it. Very good. Um Now, uh, my third question is about challenging events and situations now. At the time of recording, we have the, the horror of a war um, in Eastern Europe, which just coming on the back of the global pandemic uh, feels like, huge injury after enormous insult. Um, So challenging situations that you've faced, Nancy, I know that much of your inspiration for Duarte comes out of adversity at a young age, Um, but tell us about the most challenging situation you've been in and what you've learned from it.
0: It's funny, you know, we've been around for 33 years, 34 years. And um, so we've been through crises after crises, five crises and, and, um, and those are hard and they're unexpected. It's not by anything we've done that a pandemic have or a war have, right? But they impact your business. So we've always been quite prepared for any sort of emergency by fiscally conservative, da, da, da. My own crises happened when I actually, uh, the biggest crisis I went through had nothing to do with an external Uh, entity kind of putting pressure on me it was my own self because when I became a a public speaker I was on the road 30 weeks a year and that was a lot of time to be away as the kind of the managing director-ish role of the organization and I gotta say Matt my organization went into a massive state of decay and financial decay and uh, cultural decay and when I kind of came back around and and looked at what had happened i it was hard it was emotional it tested my identity it made me wonder if i'm the right leader and there's this scene in lord of the rings where frodo had been stung in the heart with a spider (laughs) and he's like mummified and his eyes are bulgy and his skin is pasty white that's how my heart felt that's what my heart looked like and i was in this weakened state just so weak that all these detractors and voices and Terrible Slack channels. It was just unbelievable. Well, you know, Melissa, she was the he- she's the hero, the swashbuckling, amazing person who came in and turned all that around for us. Um, but I, I, I was in such a weakened state. I actually brought in a CEO to come in and take over. Wow! And he lasted a week because <laughs> I thought <laughs> if this is what it's going to take to do it, I could do that. Like yep. you know, it was like that to me was the baby step, and um, and so I did. I, I I decided. You know what? I announced the team. I'm not. just terrible. I'm not qualified. I can't do it. I'm in a weakened state. Here's this person who's going to take it over. And in a week, let him go. But joke, joke. I'm qualified. I'm the leader. <laughs> Come and follow me. It was. Uh, it was very hard. And wow. we did it. We did it. Like who we are today is about 180 degrees different than we were just four years ago, four and a half years ago. Yeah. And how I'm, I've changed. I've changed as a human, I've changed as a person and as a communicator too, and as a leader. So really, 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 maybe I really feel I've stepped into the CEO title four or five years ago.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but um, yeah, that was a real test of my soul. It was like the dark night of my soul.
1: And there's such a contradiction there, isn't there? Because you're out 30 weeks on the road. You're getting audiences loving you. Your TED oh, Talk's raining, going through like the roof. Oh, it's raining work
0: like a freak show. Yeah. Yeah. So it's such a
1: contradiction. Like you're out and it's working. And then back at the ranch, somehow it's all imploding. That that must have really messed with your brain.
0: It did. And that's why like now, now that COVID, so then what I've done in the last few years I haven't written much. I haven't spoken hardly at all. I've just doing care and feeding to make sure everyone feels safe and comfortable and they've got a job and you know, all of that stuff. And now I'm in a season where it's like, well, maybe I'll go on the road again or maybe I'll start to do more podcast, whatever, when as I start to think. And then and then I do have this low grade fear that if I do that, you know, will the company go and state it okay? No because I have the best, the strongest executive team we have ever had, and they're shouldering the business. So that's the difference is I did not have a, a, the right mix of executive team when I was out on the run. That yeah
1: we're, we're really close to coming to that. and and mm-hmm. uh, as I said to you just before we, we started, you know we're lucky enough to be working with you right now and your team are such a, so- a joy to work with and an inspiration to work with you. know you've got people who are really, Leading from the front, they have a passion for Duarte, but also they really think about what they would do with the business and they're coming up with proactive, empowered ideas of their own. It's, it's really great. Yeah. It's and we have nice. this
0: meme, like if it we're an exec team and they say, if it was my business, I would. That, ha- that amplifies, exactly. it helps me. Like, I'm just like, what? What would you do, right? And I lean in and I'm excited to hear what they say. So if they really believe in something, they can say, if this was my business, I would. And yeah. I love that. I love That's hearing right. that kind of language, yeah.
1: Listen, we're one question away from the executive team discussion. So we're coming to it. The one before it, however, um, is who's most influenced the way you lead? You've worked in and around so many amazing people over the last 33 odd years. Who really influenced you?
0: I would say a lot of it comes from the sacred texts. I think that is what that's what grounds me every day. And I, I, uh, in multiple translations, I really study the gospels. I really want to know how do I love, how do I, how do I show up and change the world in such a, in a really beautiful way through story. Um, but also there's a lot about, um, um, being egalitarian in there, like, you know, Uh, acceptance of women acceptance of other races and nationalities is all through there. And so I really don't uh, go a day without consulting what I would call my higher power. Otherwise, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do what I do every day. Um, It's just would be too hard. Right. And so I have to get my inspiration every day to lead uh, that way.
1: I guess as a storyteller it's almost the ultimate story for for someone of faith that's that's the ultimate right it's
0: the uber story that I I frame my life in that story right it's a framing device that makes me happy
1: that's great that's great and you our listeners can't see but i see you looking happy not least because you're (laughs) in hawaii waiting for your grandchildren to arrive and spend a beautiful time with them which i'll just reveal to our listeners and she's kindly giving us a little bit of time um, to record this podcast so thank you so much um right here it is so effective executive teams we've talked about it again and again Mm -hmm. over the last 10-15 minutes What's the secret to an effective executive team? Every CEO out there—it's the thing that they focus on. It's the thing we hear about again and again. It's the holy grail, the secret formula. For you, what's the secret to a really effective team?
0: You know, it's. Gonna, I hope it doesn't sound cliche, but it's got to be alignment and trust. So I, I have spent the last—well, you know my exec team now—but I have spent the last um, previous years with this one seat. Uh, that Becky fills now with the wrong person. So one gal was like, people showed up at work every day, and it felt like Duarte has two mummies, and they're fighting all the time. I, I wasn't aligned, and I'd be like, wait, 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 no. What's the accountability? What? How are you? How are you uh, holding the sales team accountable to what they're? supposed to be doing is like, I don't micromanage. It's like, no, there's a basic, you know, it was just like, we were just not on the same page. And then the next one, not on the same page. And what's interesting is four out of five people were the right people or five out of six were the right people. And this one seat wasn't the right seat. And I think that um, you have to align on values, align on where you're going. You know, they have to be really bright and smart and you have to support each other. You can, you can uh, contend in the room and contend. And then, then you realize, okay, we're all agreed now and you leave the room agreed. I didn't have that level of maturity in the past. So I think that it's a lot about the, the, the chemistry of the team, the undying respect and trust of the team, the alignment and believing in each other and knowing each other. Um, And admiring each other and deferring to each other um, when they're very capable in their role. Like one one person shouldn't try to help the other one run their whole organization. And we had that where we were trying to prop up this broken leadership function. um, And now we don't have to. And uh, we're all free, we all have more bandwidth now. That role isn't creating drag. In fact, it's creating lift. We all feel like we've got a new burst of air under our wings from having the right leader there. It's, it's freed us all up, which is fascinating. So yeah, you get, you get the right people on the bus. It's just like what Jim Collins said. He said, you get the right people on the bus and then you decide where to go. Yeah, I, I had to do a little bit of musical chairs, musical bus seats for a while to get the right person on that one role. But that's what
1: that you, know, you test and learn, don't you? But it's having yeah. the courage to make the change yeah. when you need to make yeah. it like having a CEO for a week and yeah. going, Whoa, hold on. And I should second. have done like, that. I
0: sh- yeah. They're hard it's to a- find. Like good execs are hard to find and then they give up a lot to join. And if you're going to let them go in a week, that just seems not, not fair, you know?
1: sure so. but you know there's only one thing worse than a recruitment mistake right and that's not fixing it and whether yeah. it's one side or the other that fixes it that life yeah. is full of test and learn and i think that the the courage on either side of that or both sides of that it's the answer to keep trying to find that right combination but goodness me have you got the right combination um, i know now. i'm so just, glad to hear
0: you say that because you're were- you you have a keen level of scrutiny too so i really appreciate that (laughs) that's
1: kind of you to say Um, listen only two more questions and then back out and to the palm trees um what's the biggest change on your horizon nancy what's big in the future for you and duarte
0: i love that so for me personally i'm on a, a personal growth journey um been really digging into the Enneagram and really working hard and changing and adapting how I show up. So I, I, this is the biggest amount of self-work I've done that I think is going to yield incredible fruit. It's hard, but it's going to yield incredible fruit. And then the other thing is the organization itself is moving, is adding a subscription model, which is very fun and exciting. And it's going to change the way we work and how we show up and what we offer to customers. So we're in that like gestation mode of building it and getting to MVP, uh, which is so fun. And then to tie the bow back is I just am one who stays informed about it versus getting to be in it. So right now, back at my office in Silicon Valley, they're doing a sprint for this thing. And you know, I want to be right in the middle of that. I would have flown back for that, but they're (laughs) like doing it without me. They're going to Pop me some questions in the middle of the week. Like it's so exciting because it's happening um, without my involvement. And I'm I'm okay with that.
1: Amazing. Uh, Amazing. I would really recommend that all of our listeners uh, follow Duarte on on LinkedIn because that's where you'll get all the latest news about developments. But go to Duarte.com and go and take a look at the offerings as they stand today. And just imagine what's gonna happen when there's a subscription model of uh, Nancy's incredible work from the last few decades. And if you haven't watched Nancy um, on TED, uh, you should go and join the other 3 million people um, that have. Uh, That's the quick commercial break, finally, Nancy. (laughs) um, We, lots of our listeners either wanna be a CEO one day, some of them, many of them think actually are already CEOs. And the remainder, you know, have to work with CEOs from time to time. Give us 3 quick final tips for anybody who aspires to that CEO role whether it's their own eponymous organization like yours or <laughs> as a leader in a you know Fortune 500 what are the 3 tips for aspiring CEOs
0: I think that sometimes we tend to jump into the operational part of it and don't give ourselves time to do the bigger thinking and building the bigger relationships and the higher stakes things. So I would say that you need to make sure you're spending as much time being the ambassador of the company as you are caring about the operational side. I think that's the biggest difference of a CEO. I strongly encourage you to build other CEO relationships and uh, get together with them on a regular basis, a set of trusting CEO level friends where you could run you know, run things by them that you can't even have, you maybe share with your exec team or, or whatever. And then um, that's the other thing is buy, if, if you have the means, buy as much time as you can Like I know at least for a lot of women, some of my, my CEO friends that are females are still cleaning their own house or whatever. It's like, no, like buy as much services as you can, delegate as much as you can. If this thing is not doing your highest and best use and it's not energizing you, hire someone else to do that. You should only be doing highest and best use, what energizes you and use your money to buy back as much time as possible to maybe not spend on your business but to spend that time with your family and your children and your friends. Um, so manage your time. Well, I, I mean, I get eight to nine hours of sleep every night. So my calendar is protected. Some people are like, oh, it's so hard to get on your calendar. You must be so busy. It's like, nope, I'm not so busy. I'm so protected. It's what it is. And so I think that everyone needs to be super protective about their time and hire out what can be, you know, hire someone to do what doesn't have to be done by you.
1: I love that. I really love that. Since I started my business nearly 20 years ago, I feel like a I feel like a junior amateur next to you, but my <laughs> business will be, be 20 years old. Positive momentum will be 20 years old next year. Oh,
0: congratulations. Happy well, anniversary.
1: Thank you. And I've worked 40 weeks a year for the last 20 years. So I take oh. 12 weeks a year off. And it just reminded me when you said oh, oh, people you. say it's so hard to get on your calendar. It is hard to get on my calendar because I take 12 weeks a year off, which used to be, you know, school holidays with the, with my girls. And they're now um, young adults making their way in the world. Um, But I still take that three months off. It's sacrosanct to me. And I I think you set such a positive standard in Duarte. You've got people of, of all ages at all stages of their career. Some people just starting out, some people, you know, in very senior roles as we've discussed and you set such a positive standard for them to follow it's about choices isn't it it's about how you choose to spend your time but Above all, I'm very glad to hear you get more than four hours sleep these days. That's oh, very, yeah. very good to hear.
0: Sleep is a superpower now. I'm just like all about that.
1: <laughs> Nancy, thank you so much for joining us today on Meet the CEO. It's been such a pleasure. I wish you a fabulous time um, with your grandchildren and the rest of the family um, in Hawaii. Um, I look forward to seeing you soon. I'm going to come out and see you guys and spend some time uh, with you directly. We but love uh,
0: your team. We love you. you you're impacting our company in ways nobody's ever been able to. So thank you. Thank you. I owe you a debt.
1: That is very, very kind. Nancy, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Matt. We're really privileged to meet and interview some amazing CEOs for this podcast and there's always at least one lesson for me about where I need to do better, uh, this time more than one from Nancy, um, so thank you for my uh, list of actions. A great range of pieces of advice from her, from being comfortable with the title, especially relevant to founder CEOs, I think, um, all the way through to being able to let go of tasks you love and, of course, that evergreen topic of choosing people who, in Nancy's word, give your business lift and being okay with letting go of those who cause drag. I found a suggestion that every CEO needs to be a thought leader, especially striking and indeed very timely. It's really true that developing the skills that Duarte espouses at every level of an organisation, but especially at the top, couldn't be more important and relevant right now. Many thanks to Nancy for joining us and thanks to you for listening. If you're a first-time listener, then why not take a look at our back catalogue? There's a fantastic range of interviews with some extraordinary CEOs packed with ideas and advice think you'd really enjoy them. Um, if you like what we're doing, then uh, please tell your friends and colleagues and maybe share this and uh, the whole podcast series with them. Of course, if you've got ideas about how we could do better, we'd love to hear those too. Meantime, best wishes to you in all your endeavours and I look forward to welcoming you to the next episode of Meet the CEO from Positive Momentum.